0: Welcome back to the show, guys. I hope that everybody had a great weekend, and I hope everybody enjoyed the Oscars last night because that was a hell of a lot of fun to watch, but we're not here to talk about that today, as fun as it would be. We are here to talk about fantasy baseball because that is the name of the show. This is Fantasy MLB Today, brought to you by Sports Ethos. I am your host, Joe Orrico, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe Orrico 99 And you can go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account. That's Ethos, E-T-H-O-S, Fantasy BB, where this show will be posted from throughout the season, as well as other fantasy baseball-related content. So today, we're going to switch it up a little bit. I touched on it on Friday a little bit, but we're going to pause the position-by-position breakdown, and we're going to do a mock draft these next two days. Because we're getting a little bit close to the season now, and we're fully into draft season, so I figure I should put out uh, a draft video before drafts are all done. Now, just to clarify before we get started that this is not how I expect um, most drafts to go necessarily. This is more based on how I have players ranked for the season. So you might see some players uh, in a certain spot where you say they're probably not being drafted there. This is more how I think uh, end of season wise, we're going to be looking back at the value of these players. So it's not going to be um, the most typical of mock drafts. I'm not going to be picking a team or uh, there's no one else here with me. It'll just be me going through every pick. So there won't be me building around pick six or pick eight or pick one or 12 or whatever. This is just going to be me going through how I see players in terms of their value and how I think they're going to shape up uh, by the end of the season. So we're going to be hitting you with the first four rounds today. We'll go through the first 48 picks, the top 48 players, as I think they will be uh, come season's end. And we're going to get started with uh, a guy I've talked about already, who I think is the clear number one pick for fantasy drafts this year, and that is Trey Turner. Trey Turner. Um, I just think there's too much potential in terms of his everything, literally across the board. Uh, he batted 330 last year, 28 homers, 32 stolen bases. I'd be fairly surprised if he doesn't end up in the top two or three players. He's been a consistent top five fantasy player now for the last four years, three, four years. And now he is in the. Uh, Los Angeles, where he is in the best lineup in baseball, where he'll most likely be leading off or batting second. So I expect him to flourish in Los Angeles, and he's the clear-cut number one pick for me. Uh, at number two, I have Bo Bichette, I think because of, again, that consistency across the board. Bo's not going to hit at quite the same uh, level of batting average as Trey Turner. But uh, it's a, a very similar style middle infielder, uh, who relies a lot on high batting average and speed. while also having good power potential, uh, Bo hit 29 home runs last year. Uh, one more than Turner did actually. So they're both very similar in terms of the skill sets that they're gonna give you. I am comfortable drafting um, either of them in this spot really. if uh, if someone passes up on Trey Turner for the first pick and you have the second pick, then you say a prayer and say thank you and then you take Trey Turner second. I think um, once those two pass, there are a couple of other guys um, early on here who can give you that five category production. But those are the two who I feel the most comfortable in for sure. Uh, moving on to number three is uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who I have in the third slot. And I have him behind the other guys strictly because of the lack of speed. And you know, I still uh, i touched on it last week. He'll get a couple of steals for you. But uh, in terms of that week-to-week, counting on a few steals every game, every other game kind of production, you're not going to get that out of Vlad. So I, that's why I have him just below Trey and Bo. Uh, I still think it's a, it's a solid, beautiful first-round pick, very safe, uh, especially with the season he had last year and the trajectory he's on. I'm not worried. Uh, number three seems uh, seems about right for him. Number four, I have Jose Ramirez, and he was the seventh-ranked player last year. It's, again, that power, speed, uh, 36 home runs. He drove in 103, and he stole 27 bases. Now, I have him just below Vlad because of the discrepancy with the batting averages. Where Ramirez batted 266 a year ago, Vlad was 311. Um, Now, Jose can pick it up a little bit. Uh, Historically, I believe he's a bit better than that, but... Uh, I think it's safer to go with Vlad, especially with the Jose Ramirez trade potential throughout the season. The Cleveland Guardians, I caught myself there. The Cleveland Guardians are probably not going to be very successful. They are probably going to look into trading him and possibly even Shane Bieber, who we'll touch on in a little bit. Uh, There was discussions throughout the offseason, and that is uh, their classic MO of the Indians. They don't re-sign players. Typically, they just trade them for prospects and start over because they have cheap ownership. So if he gets traded to a destination, it's probably not going to massively impact his fantasy value unless he goes to a serious contender where he would maybe even be bumped up a little bit. I know he's. I already have him in the fourth slot, but um, as it currently stands, he's not in a fantastic place for fantasy value. But that could change throughout the year. There have been a lot of trade rumors, so a top five, uh, top five pick feels very safe for Jose Ramirez. Again, a lot. Everybody in this first round is fairly safe. Uh, there will be a couple of riskier plays as we go further down a little bit, but everybody's going to be fairly safe around here. The next player I have going off the board is Juan Soto. Totally confident in Juan. Um, he's considered, the people call him Ted Williams of this generation, and that's I think that's fair without ever having seen Ted Williams play. Again, across-the-board value, not a ton of steals, but uh, as consistent of a hitter as you're going to find, really. I need to not spend too much time on individual players here because I do want to get through four rounds. Corbin Burns is the next player I have going off the board and the number one pitcher I have going off the board. I just feel a bit safer with him than in Garrett Cole, who is the next player I have going off the board. And you can't flip-flop them. It's not going to matter uh, terribly, I don't think, for value. Now, the National League has um, had a change this year, so there will be no more pitchers hitting. There will be a designated hitter slot. So, I mean, it's one out of every nine at-bats. is no longer a throwaway at-bat for pitchers in the National League. So it might be a little bit harder um, this season than in previous years for the NL pitchers, they don't have that break at the bottom of the lineup like they've been used to having. So it might be a little bit harder, but that being said, Corbin Burns was flat out dominant last year. He won the Cy Young award and he was brilliant. And from everything that I have read and seen myself, he is fully expected to do this again this year. The advanced stats were all in his favor and um, he's, He's pitching on a pretty good team, so he'll he'll have those win opportunities. They're, I say they're a good team; they're not a great team, but they did have a fairly good year last year, and I expect them to do something similar. He only had 11 wins, but I feel like he has potential to up that a little bit. Uh, I feel like it's a very safe first round pick for Corbin Burns. Now the next guy is Garrett Cole, and I, I like Garrett Cole. I mean, I don't; I'm not a particular Yankee fan. But he does have a a great fantasy game. The ERA um, went up over three at the end of the year because there was a couple of subpar starts for him. But he is one of those sub-three ERA guys. Massive strikeout and win potential with a good low whip. Uh, A very safe first-round pick, in my opinion. And even if he was your first pitcher off the board, I think that that's... It's, it's not egregious, right? You can, you can flip-flop him with Burns, like I said, and that would be fine. Uh, the next player I have is Bryce Harper. And some people may think it's a little bit high at number eight. He was the 18th-ranked player last year. But that was with no lineup help. His 35 home runs translated to only 84 runs driven in. He didn't really have the help last year. And now the Phillies have gone out and got him a couple of more pieces. So I think he can up that RBI number a little bit and the run number a little bit and push that 18th ranking up into the first round this year. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And that's where I'm expecting him to be in the middle, late middle of the first round. So if you're picking him around, uh, like I said, late first round, middle, late first round, I wouldn't be too worried about that. He does have some steal potential as well. He had 13 steals last year. And I say potential, we already know he can steal. He's not terribly fast, but he is a little bit underrated as a base stealer. He's never really talked about. It. And 13 stolen bases throughout the year in fantasy can really be really be a plus to your team. Let's move on. This one will be the first one that's kind of maybe a little bit controversial. I have Mike Trout, uh, number nine. I think he'll regain his form prior to his injury. And he was fantastic. Even in the short stretch we saw him last year in 117 at-bats, Eight homers, 18 driven in, and he batted 333. Now, we all know if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, Mike Trout, it's, it's not much of a debate that he's the best player of his generation. Now, some people will avoid drafting him because of the injury and say he's injury prone. I say one injury does not equal injury prone. So, I'm not really going to be hesitant to draft him with that kind of... I mean, he was last year going early in the first round. Now he's going later in the first round. So if you miss out on um, whether your draft, whether you choose the order or whether it's a random order, if you miss out on a top draft pick, you still have crazy value late in that first round. And I think Mike Trout can regain his form from a couple of seasons back. Now they need they need good seasons from the supporting cast to really help him out there and help the Angels stay competitive down the stretch to keep him in ball games because you know, he's gonna be thirty this year, I believe. And he'll st- not want to be wasting so much time as he gets older um, down the stretch of seasons playing meaningless games, I don't think. So the Angels need to stay competitive to keep him in ball games. Let's move on to Kyle Tucker, who I think will be the, te- the 10th-ranked player roughly. Now, I don't feel as certain about Kyle Tucker, but I do like him in this slot. Now, he will fall later than this in drafts a little bit. He is going pretty high, though. I mean, compared to last year, he was the 39th. Uh, total player. Eighth on average. But I I touched on it last week. I don't like looking at average for fantasy baseball just because, for example, looking at Kyle Tucker, he averaged 0.21 home runs a game, 0.66 RBIs. I just find that it adds a level of confusion to fans. Now, if you're you're, um, mathematically inclined and you want to go by the average technically maybe that's better i don't i don't know but i just find it complicates the way that you actually look at it as opposed to looking at the actual full value they've given you for the season so i mean you look at kyle tucker last year he had 30 home runs 92 rbis and 14 steals for the average fan the average fantasy baseball player that's very easy to understand you say he had 0.59 runs a game 0.21 home runs a game you start to sound like a crazy person uh you start to sound like one of those people who devoted to analytics if you start speaking in fractions in terms of stolen bases per game and stuff like that so I find it really um, it can take some enjoyment out of it honestly if you look at it through that lens because it just makes it a lot harder especially for someone like myself who's not crazy with math you just want to keep it simpler while also looking at an accurate value the total value is accurate it shows you how valuable the player was throughout the season and it shows you who stayed healthy as well, because those guys who will miss a lot of time off the top of my head, Fernando Tatius Jr., who I don't even have in my first four rounds here because of the injury. He's going to miss about three months. So the total helps to show you who stayed on the field as well. Um, and when there's a massive discrepancy between the total and the average, there's usually something to do with injuries. So let's look at uh, Mike Trout. Just briefly, we'll go back to Mike. And his, his average last season, he was the 14th ranked player on average per game last season. His total value that he provided was 1,043. So it just shows you how, yeah, you look at average and it shows you per game how a guy did. But there's something to be said, especially in baseball, about a guy staying healthy for the entire season. I'm going to move on because I'm spending too much time on individual players. I will get better at that as I go along. I need to just work on being uh, more concise with my arguments. The next player I'll touch on is Jacob deGrom, who I've actually moved up in the last couple days seeing him in the spring. He's got a lot of pep on his fastball for this time in the spring. He struck out five yesterday over three innings, Um, one run on four hits, which honestly is a little bit high for him, four hits over five innings. But the fact that he's already got that speed uh, where it is, people were worried that he was going to have to shut it down this year, that he wouldn't be himself this year. Um, he got shut down last year. I'm thinking it was elbow. I can't remember now. It's uh, Forgive me. I believe it was his elbow that had not shut down last year. And people were very worried that it could be um, a snap of the fingers this year, a couple weeks in, something tweaks, and he's done. I think that he will still be a first-round value this year. I think the Grom is elite, beyond elite. Um, probably the best pitcher of his generation, and if he's able to stay healthy, then he's a, a steal at number eleven. He was going number one overall in a lot of drafts last year, and I mean, if he was able to stay healthy last year, he would have that would have crowned him the Cy Young at the All Star break, probably, because he was just that good. He finished as the tenth ranked total player while not pitching the last few months of the season he pitched 92 innings and he was a top 10 fantasy player so he doesn't need a lot of time to still give you that value particularly in a roto sense if you're playing roto which granted i'm not as familiar with i'm more of a head-to-head guy but that kind of value uh will stay throughout the season even if he doesn't play throughout the whole season because his whip era is so low he gives you a ton of strikeouts in a short amount of time So I really like DeGrom uh, at number 11. And we'll complete the first round here with Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is the next guy I have going off the board. Someone I've also moved around a little bit in the last couple of days. And honestly, the more I think about it, the more I like Freddie. Um, He is going end of the first, beginning of the second round area. But I think he will, at the end of the year, have that kind of first round value at least on the border of round one and two, just because the situation is so great. Now, I talked last week about being a little bit cautious, perhaps, around pick 14, 15. But I'm thinking that that's probably going to be totally fine um, in that kind of range. Now, I have him 12th to close out the first round, and I'm talking about standard 12-team leagues. And I think that that is probably roughly where his value will end up Throughout the season now, if you can get him in the second round and not have to use a first round pick on him, by all means, um, he may not be there in the second round just because I I think he homered yesterday, the day before in spring, and people really love that kind of thing when there's a home run in spring, even though it really doesn't matter that much. I know there's been a lot of hype around Akil Bedu of the Tigers who hit a couple of home runs in the spring. I don't see it mattering that much on a case-by-case basis of this guy got rocked, this guy hit for the cycle in spring. But it appears that Freddie Freeman, um, his spring performance has been fairly good, and I think it might have boosted up his uh, his ADP a little bit, as well as the fact that he went to the Dodgers, obviously. Um, but he is moving up since last week. When I checked last week, early in the week, he was going around pick 18 or so. And now it's 14-13, so I think having him as the 12th player makes sense for me. Um, Roughly, anyway, that's where I think he'll be at the end of the season. Let's move on to Mookie Betts, who I have slotted in at number 13. I do expect him to bounce back this year. Uh, He'll have a full season of playing with Trey Turner and with Freddie Freeman, who might be sandwiching him in that lineup, which is you want to talk about protection for your RBIs and your runs. Uh, the steals were only he only had 10 steals last year and he batted 264 so uh, it has turnaround season written all over it for Mookie I am not worried about drafting him in the second round ish if he's going in the first round I'd probably not take a first round pick just because there is a lot more certainty there but I think he'll be fine this year I think he'll totally figure it out again the next player is Mr. Shohei Ohtani, and this is on the batter side because you got to remember Shohei is divided into a batter and uh, a pitcher on Yahoo, which is what we're focusing on today is Yahoo. He hit 46 home runs, 100 RBIs, and stole 26 bags last year. In a category league, that is ridiculous. In a points league, that is ridiculous, but we're, t- we're focusing on category leagues today. He batted 257, which is a little bit low, but if he can stay healthy, if he can go out there, no problem. He can get you that mid-second round value. That's It seems like it would be easy uh, seeing what he did last year. As long as he's not overworked on the mound and he's still able to play most days in the field, value should be there. Next, we'll go into Rafael Devers, who had a fantastic year last year, 20th overall ranked player. No problem. Seeing him being a second-round player again this year with the massive home run and RBI potential in that lineup, no problem at all there. Um, let's move on to Ozzy Albie's. I keep saying it, but I'm I keep not doing it. I keep uh, expanding on these players, so we may just go three rounds today. We'll see uh, how we'll see how efficient I can be in the next couple rounds. Ozzy Albie's is the next guy I have. I have him slotted in at my sixteenth slot. Uh, he was 27th last year, but the 30 home runs, 106 RBIs, 20 steals, uh, elite pro- elite production from a second base spot that's not flush with talent, especially not early on in the draft here. Looking at my first couple rounds, there's only maybe four uh, second basemen going off the board here by round four. So Ozzy is... The safest second baseman, okay, depending on how you want to classify Trey Turner, who's technically a shortstop, but he may be playing second base this year. We'll see. Well, now they don't have Corey Seager, so he'll probably go back to predominantly shortstop. So I think it's safe to say that Ozzie Alves is the best shortstop. Sorry, the best second baseman uh, in fantasy. And I think that he'll end up somewhere in the middle of the second round for value. Uh, he's, he's an across-the-board producer. If he can get his batting average up higher than it was last year, which was 260, then he has first-round potential. Let's move on. Walker Bueller, who I have slotted in as the 17th player. I think that's a good projection for him, Now he was higher than that last year, but he had really a fantastic season. He was the fifth-ranked player on a total basis uh, in category leagues, and he had everything going for him. It's probably safe to say he's going to have similar numbers. I just think number five is a bit of a stretch. I think pushing him down into the middle of the second round for value. Now, he he might still be drafted in the first round in some instances, but I think his value will be 17, 18 in that range. I think that makes a lot of sense for him in that range. And the guy I have after him is another pitcher. I think it also makes sense in this range, who is Brandon Woodruff. Now... They didn't support Woodruff in his starts last year very well. I believe he had a losing record on the mound with a two fifty six ERA. So I think it was a big matter of run support in Woodruff's outings that led to him losing fantasy value because of the wins. Now, he only had nine wins in a, in a category league, a standard category league that counts wins. That is going to hurt you, only winning nine out of 30-some-odd starts No question. So you kind of have to expect that that will turn around this year, that they will maybe not make an extra effort when he's pitching, but to realize we didn't help this guy out last year. Like He he could have been the Cy Young Award winner, Brandon Woodruff. If he had 15 wins in the same numbers, then he would have – he was already in the top seven for voting, seven or eight for voting. So you figure he got some more run support that he could have been – That much better. He was the 29th ranked player. I think he easily could have been top 20 if he had that support. So look for him to bounce back this year in terms of the wins. Everything else should stay about the same. But look for the wins to bounce up from nine. Next, I have Teoscar Hernandez, who was 15th last year. I have him slotted in at 19th. Again, elite production, elite RBI and run potential in that Blue Jays lineup. He'll be batting right behind George Springer, Boba Shedd, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., So, I mean, there's nothing to worry about barring injury, nothing to worry about with Teoscar. He is going to do what he's done these last couple of years. He's got a silver slugger in each of the last two seasons. And uh, I think slotting him in in the later parts of the second round, middle, later second round, I think that's a bargain. He was the 15th player last year, and there's honestly a bit of room to improve. Like the average could have been higher than 296 where it was. It was higher than that for a good portion of the year and 92 runs. I think he can he can hit 100 runs. So is the first round impossible for him? No. I don't think he's going to touch the first round, but it's it's entirely possible that he provides you end of first round talent end of first round value. So I have him slotted at 19 and I feel I feel comfortable with that. We'll move on to Mad Max Scherzer, who also pitched yesterday. He pitched 6 innings, struck out 7. It's kind of a long outing for Spring Uh, especially for someone his age, to throw six innings. Now, he may throw one more start in the spring. They're probably not going to overextend him, but he looked really good. He allowed uh, two runs on three hits. For your first start of the spring, that's that's pretty okay. He was the fourth-ranked player last year. Tons of wins, and we should see the wins continue on the Mets. The Mets are going to be a good team this year. Uh, the ERA, the WHIP, that should stay about the same, two forty six and .86 uh, for the ERA and the WHIP respectively. Those should remain about the same. There's no reason that they should fluctuate too much from that. I like him. I like him in this slot. I think uh, he may he may beat where I have him at pick twenty, but I think that's about okay. Let's move on to Mister Ronald Acuna Jr., who I know is gonna miss about the first month of the season, but I am confident enough that missing one month won't take away that much value. Now, in terms of him compared to Fernando Tatis, I'm not drafting Tatis inside these first few rounds because he's going to be out much longer. With Acuna with only a month, and especially now with the designated hitter in the National League, I'm a lot more comfortable drafting Ronald. He only played half the year last year, and he had 24 homers, 52 driven in, 17 steals. If he can play a full season, he is a top five player in fantasy, no question. And I don't think missing just one month is really going to be that detrimental to his value. I think he'll still. I think that's still a reasonable area to expect uh, late second round production, assuming he's able to meet that May target uh, for returning. Next, I have Marcus Semien, who don't expect him to do what he did last year, 45 home runs. It's not realistic to have him do that again. Somewhere around 30, I think, is doable. And that's why I have him drop from where he was at, uh, as the ninth-ranked player last year to 22, I'm projecting, for this year. So when you're drafting, don't uh, assume you're going to be getting that 45 home run, 100 RBI guy. There is an outside chance that... Um, he can get up to 100 RBIs, but 45 home runs I think is pretty close to impossible for him to repeat. It was the most ever from a second baseman, and it's not something I would expect going forward. Especially as good as Texas is, and they've uh, remade their lineup with him and Corey Seager, I wouldn't be thinking 45 uh, home runs. That's like that people that will stand out to people that he hit 45. Uh, don't be fooled by it the runs in the RBI should be about the same and he's a decent base stealer uh, 15 steals so i do feel comfortable in the end of the second round there drafting Simeon. and i think he's going um about there maybe even a touch later so i feel like that's that's about fair pick 22 um i don't i don't think he has much potential to exceed that i think that would be like as good as he's going to possibly be as pick 22 Whereas the guy I talked about before him, Ronald Acuna, if he misses one month and comes back flying, he could be a first-round player still. Semi and I don't think there's a path to him having first-round value, but I still do think that he will be uh, a, a valuable fantasy asset for sure. Just don't be fooled by last year's production with him. That's all I'm going to say about him. Let's go to Josh Hader. He is who I have slotted in at 23, and he was the 33rd ranked player last year. Um, I just think that saves, consistent saves, are such a commodity. And he had 34 of them last year to go along with a 1, 2, 3 ERA. And he's striking out almost two guys every inning. So there is and the and the whip, like everything, everything with him, the whip is .84. Like he is just so consistent. He's so He does he does everything that you want out of the bullpen from a lefty. Now, funnily enough, uh my dad saw him pitch against the Nationals in the wild card game a couple of years ago, and that was my dad's not a massive baseball fan, but that was the only time he saw Josh Hader pitch was that wild card game, and he saw him get rocked around by Juan Soto and Turner and those guys. So my dad thinks that Josh Hader sucks, which I think is kind of funny. Whenever he sees him on hair, he calls him long haired idiot and whatever. thinks he's a, he thinks he sucks because of that one outing three years ago, which I, I it's really funny. My dad's more of an NFL guy. He's not much of a, a baseball guy. But anyway, going back to Josh. Sorry about that. Josh, um, you need to have a solid save option. Uh, early, Not early in the draft necessarily, but early enough where you can still have good options. And he's the best option on the board for saves. Argue Liam Hendricks all you like. I will take Josh Hader especially because of that elite, elite strikeout number. Like I know Hendricks strikes guys out, but he struck out 102 guys in 58 innings. Um, That's, that's really ridiculous. I know it's not um, over the course of the year, it's not a massive number, but if you're in a tight week, then that can be a massive difference between your relievers being able to strike guys out or not. And he can do that. He, he does do that. He will do that. So Every category he has value in, not so much for the wins, but even last year he had four wins, which does help you out in a standard league. Um, that's pretty much it for Josh. I'm not... Now, that being said, he's. I have him ranked here at 23. I do not think that you should draft him at 23 because you can get him lower down in the draft than that. That is where I think by the end of the season when we look at the rankings i expect to see josh hader in that 23 range if you can get him at pick 37 then that's a steal for me um i'm not saying player a i have it's 15 so you have to take him at 15 i'm saying i'm saying that's where i think that they will most likely end up so if you can get them further down the board and get a bit of a discount, get a bit of a value pick on those guys, then then that's great. Josh is not going to be going off the board quite that early. But that is where I anticipate end of season value roughly being. So I have gone a bit longer than I anticipated with these first couple of rounds. So we'll stick with the first two rounds today. And then we'll uh, try and be more concise tomorrow as we go through the next couple of rounds. The last player I'm going to touch on is Nick Castellanos, who I have going in the 24 range. And he was a 23rd ranked player last year, so I think it's about fair to assume he'll stay the same. Uh, across the board value with 34 homers, 100 RBIs, and a 309 batting average. His situation has improved drastically by going to Philadelphia. Now, he did have not a bad group of teammates last year with the Reds, who they have now essentially dismantled that team. But he's definitely improved. He's going to be playing in the same lineup as Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber. Those kind of names batting around him can only do good for his value. So um, end of the second round, I see that being a fair place for Castellanos. End of season, I can I can see him being uh, in that 22 to 24 range. I have him at 24, but I can definitely see him Uh, doing similar things to what he did last year with a little bit more room to grow perhaps because of the better teammates. Uh, Yeah. So we have gone a bit long in these first couple rounds. I'll, I'll definitely be quicker tomorrow and we'll hit you with a bit of a longer show tomorrow. Uh, We'll try and get through rounds three through maybe six tomorrow, something like that. Um, I want to thank everybody who has uh, continued to listen now into week two. It's really much appreciated. And I actually had a couple of you reach out to me over Twitter DMs over the weekend to ask fantasy related questions. So that is great. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to build um, build my name up in the baseball community, in the fantasy baseball community. And we're also trying to get Sports Ethos' name out there beyond just the fantasy basketball world, because that's where... Um, we pretty much are at the moment. This is uh, we're trying to branch out into baseball, and you guys reaching out on Twitter like that is how that's going to happen. We're going to have expansion and growth through word of mouth, and the more you guys start trusting me with stuff like that and uh, start asking me questions, the more uh, the more people will hear about the show and will hear about me. So I really appreciate that. Uh, thank you guys for that. For those of you who are uninitiated, the Twitter is Joe Orico ninety nine. That's at J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account, where this show will be posted out, as well as other fantasy-related content throughout the season. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Guys, I want to thank you all for listening today. It has been fun, and we will continue with our mock draft tomorrow. Everybody have a great Monday. See ya.